We sing and we lift up His name in worship. That is warfare. In fact, uh, I thought about Psalms. I just want to turn to that real quick. I thought about it as Armani's up there just... She loves some honey in the rock. Um, Emily said, uh, Brent wants to sing honey in the rock. I said, so does mine. Um, oh, me. Right. Um, one of the things I shared with... Um, just a couple of the guys last week, um, just in that quiet place. And I heard the Lord speak to me about children. Um, and he just, he was talking about children. And what he said about to me was um, that their voice is going to overcome the enemy. Um, and so I'm just thinking about that and generational. Look at the kids in the room. Um, and so what we're starting here is going to be generational. Um, this is not going to be some fly-by-night, but what we're doing here and what we're starting here is a generational um, that is going to start and uh, it's going to breed um, a new um, a new walk, a new shining into the darkness, um, and it's going to produce um, people out of this place who know how to have authority in Christ, who know who they are, who know that they are loved and beloved by God, that they are the beloved, and they're going to know that they are the righteousness of God. They're going to know that they are loved no matter what. And then in that place, they're going to walk in authority. But Psalms chapter 8, this is not part of my sermon, but I just thought about it and just want to declare that out um, as these children are singing in this place. But yeah, um, it says in, in chapter 8, Yahweh, our sovereign God, your glory streams from the heavens above, filling the earth with the majesty of your name. You have built a stronghold, listen to this, by the songs of children. By the songs of children. Like, I love to hear the noise of the children in this room. Like, I absolutely love it to know that they are getting rooted and grounded even when you don't think that they are that they are listening and they're soaking it up and they see mom and dad soaking it up and they're produ- we're producing what God has told us to produce remember when we first started this thing I told you when we first started I was stopped dead in my tracks in my house believing I'm supposed to go out and multiply right that's a command of God to go out and multiply he stopped me dead in my tracks. And he said, be careful what you multiply. <laughs> careful what you multiply. Make sure it's me. <laughs> Make sure it's me. So he said, you built stronghold by songs of children. Strength rises up with the chorus of infants. What rises up? Strength. Just think about the strength that was released in this room. This kind of praise, listen to this, has power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. (laughs) Let the children come to me, Jesus said. So little children, I tell you, you keep standing, you keep singing, and you just keep manifesting yourself in the presence of Yahweh. So we go today to today's uh, passage I'm going to be in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 is where I want to begin reading. Um, They do actually have Genesis, Isaiah, Joshua in the Passion Version. I'm going to be in the Passion Version of Genesis chapter 1. But before I begin this, I'll say this. I don't do a lot of whatever today is, kind of sticking to it kind of deal. But today is nationally and I just felt overwhelmed this week that I needed to speak on this today but today is nationally sanctity of life day um Ronald Reagan back Ronald Reagan your favorite 
<laughs> Ronald Reagan, back in 1984, he declared that the third Sunday of January be National Sanctity of Life Day. And so usually what we talk about and a lot of times like that is we, we center around abortion and things like that nature. But I'm going to go a little bit different route today. I just I got some stats that I want to read to you about um, just life in general um, over our country. And the world stats on that was even higher, um, but I just stuck to America because this is where we live. But in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us, notice us, the word us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? John chapter 1, the word was um, with God, the word was God, that word with, cross, meaning face to face. They were face to face dancing in this perichoresis dance. Um, face-to-face encounters um, and out of that swirl dance of perichoresis that we talk about in John chapter 1 in that swirl dance they created life okay and then it says so it says let us not me let us make a man and a woman in our image to be like us let them reign over the fish of the sea the birds of the air the livestock over the creatures that creep along the ground and over the wild animals so God created man and woman and shaped them with his image. Inside them, in his own beautiful image, he created his masterpiece. Yes, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them in his love, saying, Reproduce and be fruitful. Populate the earth, subdue it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every creature that lives on the earth. So he created them. They created them in their what? image to be just like them right so listen to some of these stats i pulled up um this first stat is worldwide stat the rest of them are going to be nationally but there are approximately 49.6 million modern slaves in the world today a lot of times we say well slavery's gone right not hardly it comes in different forms sex trafficking child labor those types of things, we see it all over the world. So there's 49.6 million. I didn't say thousands, it's a million. Just wrap your head around that for a minute. That there are people living in slavery. There are approximately 17,500 trafficked in our own country each year. Each year. I didn't just say this is a one-time event, 17,000. We're talking about go back at least 10 years that we've been starting to keep record of it. This probably goes way back further than that. When we started keeping record of it, close to approximately 17 to 18,000 people, human beings being trafficked in our own country, right? Interstate I-20 is a sex trafficking highway in the United States, and it passes 30 miles north of here every day, trafficking people, human beings. It's a good chance that when you get on I-20 to go have some fun in Monroe, get a bite to eat, have some fun with the kids, you pass by a vehicle or a truck that contained trafficking human beings. Close to one million abortions each year. That number has grown in the last three years. It used to be around 800,000. It's grown to close to approximately a million. We're hoping now, right? Roe v. Wade overturned. We pray that that number is different in 2023 right so those are some answered prayers but it's been close to a million in fact from 1973 to 2020 listen to this and this will make you sick at your stomach 63.6 million babies have been aborted that's a lot no war has ever claimed that many lives 63.6 million. There's an average of 424,000 kids in foster care any given day in our country. We like to say foster care in America because we don't like to use the term orphan. But what it is is 424,000 on any given day orphans in America. In fact, in 2019, it was close to almost 700 any given day not year not talking about a year stat I said any given day <laughs> right hallelujah one was rescued right here 
1.6 million. Listen to this. 1.6 million 13-year-old and older call themselves a different gender than what they were born as. 1.6 million. 18% of that 1.6 million are teens. The rest of that 82% are adults that all of a sudden said, I'm a different gender. As I was looking at this, do you know where the highest transgender population is? It was not New York and it was not California. It was in the southern border states that used to be called the Bible Belt. See what religion did for us? It did nothing. It did nothing to change the heart of the people. Nothing. As we continue to go to church week after week and do our own thing and put our own shows up and do our three songs and the pastor do our sermon and we can go home and talk about them whenever we're around the food table, it did nothing for America. And then the whole time we'd sit there and complain when we turn on the news and we want to blame the dark for being dark instead of looking within and wondering why the light is not as bright as it should be. As we read and we declared last week, as he opens up the scroll, Jesus opens up the scroll and he reads from Isaiah and he says, this is my mission. This is my mission. So if it's his mission, whose mission should it be? Ours. Right. So this is his mission. And the last thing he says as he's he's setting the blind free, he's setting the captives free. Right. All who are oppressed. We just talked about all the slavery, foster care. We talked about all these things. Right. That's what God's heart is for. The orphan and the widow. It is from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It is throughout for the orphan and the widow. Like his heart is so strong for them. Right. So if his heart is so strong for them, whose heart should be so strong for them? Us. Right. That no matter how hard it gets, no matter what it looks like, that we are being Christ. The great year, he says, as he closed that book of acceptance is upon us. So this word in Genesis, and I, and I fell in love with this word some years back, uh, really whenever I was at Baskin um, and preaching. But Genesis in chapter 1, this word, when he created them in the image of God, is known as the Imago Dei. And the Imago Dei just simply means that we were created in that image. And so that God is actually inside. You'll notice Dr. Simmons, as he writes this in, in the Passion Version, it says God in them. Right. So that God is actually in humankind and that God cares for humankind. So the Imago Dei is that he is actually in them and that he cares about them. As we sang that song earlier, your heart won't stop coming after me. Doesn't matter where I am. I can even be on my deathbed and you were there. Right. Right. And Sheol in your death bed. I will still be with you. There is nothing that can separate me. Not height, not depth, not anything that will separate me from His love. Nothing. Tater back there, he's singing amen when we're singing that song. Like I can hear him above everybody. You know why? Because he just came through the valley of Sheol. And in the valley of Sheol, he felt the love and the heart pounding of God that says, I am not giving up on you. So that is our God. That is what we should be like. That is us. That is our mission. We are to emanate that on the earth. So let's look at Imago Day, Acts 17. I just want to give you a little bit more than just this Genesis passage. So in Acts 17, verse 28. It is through Him that we live and function. That we do what? Live and function. And have our... Now listen to this word that Dr. Simmons used here. Identity. You think about all that transgender stuff I just talked about. That's not a government issue. That's an identity issue. They don't even know who they are. Right? They've never come into truth. Have our identity. Just as our own poets have said, our lineage comes from Him. Now go over to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. 
Verse 36. For out of Him, the sustainer of everything. Who is Him? Jesus. The sustainer of everything came everything. Let me say it again, just so it just kind of clicks with you again. For out of Him, the sustainer of everything came everything. And now everything finds fulfillment where? In Him. In Him. In Him we live and move and have our being, Acts just said, right? And so when Acts says that, same thing here. Paul's saying the same thing. Luke's writing Acts. Here Paul's saying the same thing, right? In Him. May all praise and honor be given to Him forever. Then go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. All right, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God. Who is? Jesus is. And the firstborn heir of all. That word all means all. All creation. That includes us. For in Him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen. Every seat of power, realm of government, principality, authority. It all exists through Him and for His purpose. He existed before anything was made and now everything finds completion in Him. This Imago Dei is way way more than just created in His image. Like He is in you. From the beginning, He has been in you. Right? But then what happened? The fall happened. And when the fall happened, we began to look at God differently and we began to look at ourselves differently. That's why there had to be a repentance of the changing of the mind. When John the Baptist comes on the scene and he is declaring, repent, make way, for the kingdom of God is here, right? And so he is making the way for who? Jesus. So that you can receive this message that Jesus wanted to give, right? That's why Jesus tells him you can't put new wine in old wineskins. It has to be reformed and reshaped, right? And so that they can put the new wine in. And there's some people that are still old wineskins and they can't, they just want. They know this. They don't know him. And when they don't know him, they can't live like him. Oh, we can tell people that they've done right and wrong because we eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We did that in the garden. But it's time to eat from a different tree. It's called the tree of life. Look at Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3 is where the disease of sin enters into the scene. In verse 7, immediately their eyes were open. They realized that they were naked, vulnerable, and ashamed. And then they did this. They sewed fig leaves together for coverings. Fig leaves. You know how many variety of fig leaves there are? There are four types of fig trees. Four types. But there are 700 varieties of fig leaves. Over 700 varieties of fig leaves. You think that's significant that they use fig leaves to cover themselves? To get behind a new identity? To say, I forgot who I was and now I will hide behind this shame. I will hide behind this guilt. I will hide behind this sin. I will now hide myself because now they are no longer naked and vulnerable. Why? Because they have the tree of knowledge of good and evil. When they ate from that, that's all they can think. Think about us that grew up in religion. Some of us in the room. Some of us didn't, but some of us in this room grew up in religion. And when we learned to play the game, because we did, we learn to play the game of right and wrong, of choosing knowledge of good and evil, right and wrong. 
Well, I learned how to play the game. And when I learned how to play the game, then I compared myself to everybody else. And I could say, well, I'm better than them, and I'm better than that. And he's, he's got a little bit better than me, so I need to strive to be more like him. And then we put in that comparison game, and all we did was just continue to feed that spirit of religion. And Jesus said it's time to come out from behind the fig leaves. You know when we see the fig leaves in the New Testament? Zacchaeus is in the fig tree hiding. And what does he tell Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, come on kids, you know it. You come down. What's he saying? Come out from hiding, Zacchaeus. Come out from hiding. And basically he speaks Revelation chapter 3 to him that says... If anyone would open up his door, anyone would open his heart to him, I will sit with him, come and dine with him. And what does he tell Zacchaeus? Come out from behind. Come out from behind from that fig tree that they've been hiding from since the Garden of Eden. You come out from behind that for the day of acceptance has come and I'm coming to your house to sit with you, to dine with you. And I know everyone in this place thinks you are a sinner and they think you're rotten and they think you're dirty. And I tell you, today is the great day of acceptance and I'm coming to your house today. Then as the disciples pass by the fig tree, he looks at the fig tree who has no fruit because it can't produce the kind of fruit that we need in our lives. It can only hide our guilt and our shame. And he looks at the fruitless fig tree and he says, I curse you to the ground. And the next day the disciples say, look Jesus, look what you did. The fig tree has been cursed down to the root and it is gone. And he says, today is the great day of acceptance. You must eat from a new tree and it is called the tree of life. Quit hiding behind the fig leaves that want to hide our identity. You know how many identities that you can get now? You can go to the hospital and they have over 70 now. Over 70. I looked it up last night because I wanted the most current. 2023, it was the most current. Go to the hospital, register, they ask you what gender you are. There are over 70 to choose from now. Over 70. There's two! And in all reality, we're one with Christ. Jesus, uh, Paul says there is no longer Greek, no longer Jew, no longer white, black, nothing. We are one race. And that is His race. In Him, by Him, for Him, we were created to live this life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Very familiar to us. Now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has, past tense, vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. So, out of that, in that being, and in that place of the Garden of Eden, the knowledge of good and evil took hold. And it became everything that we processed everything through. It became our new lens. That's why we wanted to hide. We thought God was the bad guy from that point on. Yet, what was he doing? Just as we sang today, his heart was coming after them. Where are you? Where are you? I thought God can't look on sin. No, that verse actually means God can't look on sin favorably. The great year of acceptance has come. Not that he wants and receives all the junk in our life. The great year of acceptance has come so that we come and enfold ourselves into Him. And as we are in Him and He is in us, all those things that don't belong begin to vanish and consumed up by the consuming fire of God and we become a new creation. All the old order has passed away where we're having to guess who we are. We're having to guess between 70 genders. No. We're having to wonder if we are even loved by our parents because we've been orphaned all our life. No. No. Jesus says that is over with. And I need my people to see what my mission is and become just like me and go out and set them free. Set them free with truth. So this word here, as we become this new being, not the same being that we were in the garden, but a new creation. 
The word here is actually kainos. That's a Greek word. A new kainos being. And that word kainos means this. It is very long. New kind, unprecedented, a novel, uncommon, unheard of. New as to form or qualify. He has qualified us, guys. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can't get any more righteous than that. You're either the righteousness of God or your righteousness is filthy rags. There is no in-between. You, you, there is no in-between. Read the Scripture. That is what it says. When Paul's comparing this, he's like, you're not going to just maybe be righteous today. And not. You're either one or the other. Your righteousness is filthy rags. And so that poor pitiful sinner just saved by grace, that was a nanosecond of your life because in that moment you became the righteousness of God. Amen. And we've got to get an understanding here, not just here, so that we can become who He wants us to be. And whenever we receive His message, this revelation of righteousness in Romans and Hebrews 5.13 that He's talking about, you will never grow into maturity unless you get that revelation. Because the enemy is going to continue to keep you down. And you won't go out there. I'm going to go out there. You're not confident in him. So it's not by you, Paul says. By Christ I boast. It's in him. It's in him I live and move and have my being. He is creating you brand new. I didn't even finish that definition. Listen to the rest of Kainos being. New is the form or qualify of a different nature from what was contrasted as old. Brand spanking new. That means when you want to bring up, yeah, but I did, but I did it, but I, or they did this, or that. And he says, no, no longer. In fact, Paul says, we no longer even look at people in human form, but now we look at them in kainos being. For at one point, we looked at Jesus the wrong way, he said. But now we see him as he really is, which means we should see ourselves as we really are, this new kainos being. Romans 8, 29. Pulling out my big book. Romans 8, 29. I want to read it from the Mirror Study Bible. He has always known us face to face. Engineered us upon the mirror horizon of His faith to be jointly fashioned in the same mold and the image of the Son. Mm. We see, listen to this, we see the authentic pattern of our lives preserved in the incarnate one. He is the firstborn from the same womb that reveals our genesis. You want to know what you come from? Look at Jesus' life. The old nature has passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Find yourself enfolded into Christ. When you start to study that word enfolded, it means it's seamless. Like you can't even tell one from the other. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, right? That's who we are. Look with me at 1 Peter chapter 1. I know we got a lot of Scripture, but Scripture comes to, speaks better than us. It has life. And Scripture, guys, confirms Scripture. Don't let anyone fool you. Give you one verse and say, Oh, no, that, that stuff up there is the devil. You go and tell them. Scripture confirms Scripture, and it's all throughout. 1 Peter 1, 23. 1 Peter 1, 23. For through the eternal and living Word of God, which is Jesus, you have been born again. Which is what he talks about with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And this seed that he planted where? In you. Can never be destroyed but will live and grow inside of you forever. It is that same acorn analogy that we've used a hundred times. That oak tree, everything that it needed to become the oak tree was contained in that little acorn. 
And when it came up, the bark came up, the roots were set, the limbs came out, the leaves were set, a place for nesting, a place for food, a place for shade for us, even a place that we can even get wood from it and burn if we need it or even build furniture. It all came from that little seed. Everything, its whole DNA, its whole structure, everything that it needed to flourish was in that seed. But guess what it needed? It needed good soil. It needed to be watered. It needed sunlight. It needed environment. And I'm telling you, when you're in that death of religion environment, don't expect to grow. There is no possible way I can take the orange trees from Florida, take them to Canada, and expect them to produce like they do in Florida. It will never happen. And I've told Aaron this a hundred times. We used to go to youth trips and youth camp and boy our kids would be so fired up and they would get them to speak at night and, and they would tell the church how fired up they were and they just ready to take on the you know take on hell with a water pistol all them old people in the back oh they'll be back to normal next week yeah they will you know why because the environment that you gave them they could not grow in you expected that You spoke of it. Death and life in the power of the tongue. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 4. Colossians chapter 3 verse 4. And as Christ Himself is seen for who He really is. Let that sink in for a minute. Who He really is. You see, there's, there's a huge difference in saying, I believe enough to get my ticket punched so that when I die, I'm not going to go to hell. There's a huge difference in that and just believing who He says you really are and who He says He really is. Because if you really take Scripture, if I just took the New Testament, if I just took the New Testament alone and actually believed Jesus' words and actually believed Paul's words, if I just believed that, I would look different. And there is truly, I have some good friends of mine that are pastors. Got to meet with them yesterday. And they all are struggling. They all go to Baptist churches and they're just struggling right now. Not to just say all Baptists are struggling, but they are struggling so bad with the religious side of it. And they told me they were tired. They said this was the worst. Every one of them said this is the worst year it's ever been. And then one of them stood up and said, it's almost like, it's almost like you can actually see a divide happening where the religious is starting to get over here and the people who really want God for who He is are over here. And I sit back and I just said, well, this year was the best year of our life. Amen, <laughs> brother. I said, we've had some struggles. We have. I'm not going to lie. There's been some struggles. I said, but all that mess y'all talking about, I don't miss a lick of it. None of it. I don't. You know why? Because I found something new. I found something different. It's not that it's new. It's just it's new for me. It was always there. It was always the offer on the table. In fact, that was Jesus' offer to the religious when he was here. But to say, in Christ I am a new creation. All the old has passed away. Look at verse 11, same chapter. Verse 11, he says this. In this new creation life, your nationality makes no difference, nor your ethnicity, education, nor economic status. They matter nothing. For it is Christ that means everything as He lives in every one of us. So my goal at today, 
So when I'm thinking about this message today as I'm writing it, my goal today is I did not want it to be to where I put down America or where I say, this is how much bad. I simply wanted to give you those stats so that you could see how staggering it is, how many people still do not know the real God, the real Jesus. They don't know the real Holy Spirit, no encounter, and they don't know themselves. But to take it a little bit further and show us He has prepared us, His children, as the bride is being prepared, He has prepared us to be the light in the hands and the feet of Jesus wherever we go. So we can't walk around and start saying, man, I can't believe there's that many different genders. I can't believe... It's that many people in the southern borders of all places that are claiming this about themselves. I can't believe there's that many foster kids in America. I can't believe it's the... I didn't say all that so that we could walk around and say, I can't believe it. The question we need to be asking is not why the dark is so dark, but why is the light not shining as bright as it's supposed to be? And that's us. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But then he looked at us and he says, you are the light of the world. Why? Because we're in him and he's in us. Not because we're special. Not because we did something right or we earned our way into it. But simply because of the free gift of salvation, he joined himself with us and us with him. So that we could be the light of the world. Let's close with Romans chapter 3. I'm going to go back to my mirror Bible. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. We are now talking a completely different language. The gospel unveils what God did right, not what he did wrong. (laughs) Kind of what I just said our mission is. Both the law and all the prophetic writings pointed to this moment. Jesus is what God believes about you. Let that sink in for a minute. John says that that God himself has the same infinite, passionate, is the words you use there, same infinite, passionate love that he has for the son he has for you. Same. Not different. Same infinite, passionate love. Do you believe that all the time? A lot of times I don't. (laughs) Just confess it to you. Sometimes I don't do things right. And I'm thinking he's disappointed. The same. The same. Again, if we're called believers, we've got to believe all the word, not just when we feel like it. Jesus is what God believes about you. In him, the righteousness of God is on display in such a way that everyone may be equally persuaded about what God believes about them. Regardless of who they are, there is no distinction. Mankind is is in the same boat. Their distorted behavior is proof of a lost blueprint. While the law proved mankind's dilemma, the grace of God announces the same mankind's redemption in Jesus Christ. Their blameless innocent is a free gift. The gift principle puts the idea of reward out of business. It's not a reward. There is no exception. This belongs to every single person, Jew and Gentile alike. Mankind's righteousness is now redeemed. Jesus Christ is proof of God's grace gift. He redeemed the glory of God in human life. Mankind condemned in the language of religion is now mankind justified in the language of the gospel of grace. Jesus exhibits God's mercy in his blood. Consolation, God's faith persuades mankind of his righteousness and the fact that he has brought closure to this historic record of their sins. Jesus is the unveiling of the Father's heart towards us. All along, listen to this, God refused to let go of mankind. Remember that Imago day in the very beginning? He refused to let go of mankind in chapter 3 whenever we fail. At this very moment, God's act of righteousness is pointing them to the evidence of their innocence with Jesus as the fountainhead of faith. Now go over to chapter 5, verse 2. Jesus is God's face-to-face grace. (laughs) 
embrace of the entire human race. He is the face-to-face grace embrace of the entire human race. So here we are, standing tall in the joyful bliss of our redeemed innocence. We are God's dream come true. This was God's idea all along. All along. You see why I said it's an identity issue? You think those people are struggling with who they really are? You think they know this? If they did, they would look a lot different. There would be no question to them. And that's why you can't argue with them intellectually about, oh, it's just all men and women. They're so confused, that's going to just throw them in a spiral. They've got to hear truth. And the truth is, is that they are loved by God. And then that love, the consuming fire of love will burn out everything that is not of love's kind. And that thing that they're dealing with is not of love's kind. But he's wanting to burn it out. There's a lot of things that we still got to burn out. Right? That we lay on the altar as he burns those things away. Last verse, Galatians chapter 2. Verse 19. The law demanded my death. Grace reveals that in God's mind, Jesus died that death. Whose death? Yours. So as far as the law is concerned, I'm a dead man. But as far as God is concerned, I'm alive. So here I am, dead and alive at the same time. I'm dead to the old me I was trying to be and alive to the real me, which is Christ in me. Co-crucified, now co-alive. What a glorious entanglement. I was in him in his death. Now I discover that he is infused in me in my life. For the first time, I'm free to be me in my skin, immersed in his faith, in our joint sonship. He loves me and believes me. He is God's gift to me. And I just want you to think about that for just a minute. Those people who are struggling with their identity of who they really are, that's what you hear. That's their argument. I finally found myself. It's a distorted view. The only thing that the enemy can do is try to distort what truth has already been revealed by by God the Father. So he distorts truth and he gets them to think. All they're doing is searching for their true self. They've been doing that since the garden. We've been searching for our true self, hiding behind every fig leaf that we can find. And all they did was change the fig leaf and say, I finally found who I am. You know what? And they're still going to struggle. They're still going to get depressed because they think that that's going to fix them. I've watched so many interviews where people have had sex changes that whenever they go to them later in life, now they're they're like sorry that they ever did it because they thought it was going to make them happy and they're still miserable. They're still hiding just under a different brand of fig leaves. 700 varieties, didn't I tell you? There's only one Jesus. And there's only one real you in Him. So just bow your head for a minute. I want you to just think about that. First of all, before we start thinking about other people, I want us to just self-reflect. Do I need to come out from behind Him? Have I been looking at Jesus from a distance? In the sick of the the tree, like Zacchaeus, what are you hiding behind? So let's just be our prayer for a minute.
self-reflection. Father, just reveal to me in the areas where I'm still hiding. We didn't even hide behind him. And for years, all I hid behind was a false sense of security of religion. But because I had everything just right, I was trying to do everything just right. One, because I was worried you were going to strike me down if I didn't, or I was going to be in a car wreck if I didn't. That's a false sense of security. That's when I messed up, I had no security. This message to you today has come out of hiding. If there's some areas that you need to come out of, you want to just raise your hand, we'll come to you and just pray with you. Anybody want to be vulnerable enough to say, will you come pray with me? just want this stuff. I want to come out of hiding and I just want all that God has for me. Anybody else? next part of this this time is it's just to ask ask Holy Spirit to come fill you you're the light so by our agreement that we don't need anyone to stand with us in prayer that means an agreement that we all want to say yes to Jesus that Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, whatever that looks like, I just put my yes on the table. I just put my yes on the table. Remember, just an act of surrender is, is we put our arms up. And so if you're ready, I want to pray over you, but I, as a place of receiving, I want you to just lift your hands. A place of surrender. See, we have to come into a place of surrender. And in that place of surrender, that he, he fashions us, puts His Spirit upon us and in us. So as you're there in a posture of surrender, Father, I just pray for the ones in this room. Father, that you, God, that you become manifest to them. Not me. Not this praise and worship team. But you, Father. Because in your presence, all things become new. In your presence, those things that we're holding on to and that we're hiding, they have been let down. We let our guards down. In that place of surrender, is we just want to let our guard down and we want to open our hearts to say yes to you today, Jesus. As you're standing at the door knocking, we say yes to you. We say yes to being your bride. We say yes to being your son. And we pray for thought patterns in our life that not line up with your word. We pray for a renewal of our minds and the mind of Christ to manifest. We pray even as we sleep even as we sleep, that you're rewiring our brains and our mindsets. Even while we sleep, you're giving us new downloads of you and of your kingdom. Of what that looks like. How we're to operate. Father, I pray in the coming days. I pray that this week that you provide an opportunity for us. Every one of us in this room, that you open a door and an opportunity for us to be light in a dark place. And I pray in that place that we will know that we are in that place 
Because sometimes, Father, we get so busy. But I pray that our mindsets will be shifted this week. Listening. That we have a posture of listening to the world around us. Wherever we are, doesn't matter. Work, grocery store, wherever we're at. School, children. That we be open to them. And that we take a risk. And by faith, we see you shine. Your truth, your light into a dark place. And we see you become real to those people. We would be hidden in you. But you shine, not us. You shine. I pray for the children in this room, Father, for a generation to rise up. A generation. As a matter of fact, if you're a child in this room, I just want you to stand up. If you're holding a baby, I want you to hold the baby up. Father, these children in this room, if you're a ch child, just raise your hands up in place of surrender. As you raise your hand. And I pray that Psalm 8 become manifest over these children's lives. That as we read and we declared Psalms 8 over them earlier, that they are creating a stronghold. Meaning that that's a place of refuge and a place of safety by their worship. And I pray that they would rise up a new generation that from their worship it silenced the mouth of the enemy. And that we move in new authority. New authority released today in our children to go into schools, to go into their own homes, to speak life and not death. Blessings and not curses. And this be a new generation who seeks after the face of God, who knows Him intimately and is intimately known, and is so confident in the love that the Father has for them that they walk in obedience every day of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So glad you could make it today. Love you guys. Thanks for coming. Enjoy your week.